I don't know what your digital device of choice is, but I suspect I know this. Whatever your digital device of choice is, you likely have a lot of photographs. Now, there will be a few here that have music on their iPhone or iPad. Maybe you have movies that are eating up memory. But most of us will have a lot of photographs. 3,300 pictures. That's how many I have on my phone. 3,300. 3,298 of them are grandchildren. <laughs> and the other two are events when we've gotten together. It's been said that one picture does what? One picture says what? A thousand words. Open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy 2, because this passage will serve as the basis for our study this morning. A portrait of a Christian. The word Christian literally means in Christ and belonging to Christ. So when we ask the question, who is a Christian? The answer is one who is in Christ and who belongs to Christ. One who has biblically responded to the question, what must I do to be saved? Well, that person's a Christian. They're in Christ, and they belong to Christ. Now, the Bible would say that the word Christian, then, is one of the most important words in all the New Testament though it specifically is found only three times. In Acts 11, verse 26, God's Word says, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It's good to keep these in mind, and many of you are familiar with them. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 28, Paul is on trial before a king by the name of Agrippa, who says to him, Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Then in 1 Peter 4, verse 16, that Jeff Scott just read in the Scripture reading, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this behalf. What a blessing and privilege it is to be a Christian, to be in Christ and to belong to Christ. Now, if one word, rather one picture, says a thousand words, what do seven pictures say? An awful lot. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and the 26 or so verses that comprise it in our English Bibles... There are seven pictures that come together to give a portrait of a Christian. 
and helps us see more what is involved in being in Christ and belonging to Christ. Seven pictures. So this morning I want you to get the pictures because as we put the pictures together, those pictures should etch in our memories what it really means to be in Christ and to belong to Christ. Let's look at the pictures. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. A Christian is a steward. A steward. S-T-E-W-A-R-D. A steward. One who manages what belongs to someone else. And when you examine 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2... A Christian is a steward of God's grace. See that in verse 1? Be strong or be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ. But not just that, verse 2. A Christian is a steward of the gospel. That which you've received from me, that message... Commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So the first picture is that of a steward. If someone would be a manager, a steward, they must be faithful. 1 Corinthians 4 verses 1 and 2. Keep that in mind. And here's something that's very cool to think about. Stewards of grace and stewards of the gospel. They are divine resources. Think about the divine resources we always have at our disposal. The grace of God and the gospel of God. And neither one of them were intended to be kept solely for our own need. The grace of God was never intended to be just kept to ourselves, was it? And the gospel of God isn't either. The gospel of God isn't either. Though we want to respond to both, and a Christian has, has responded to the grace of God in Jesus... By the grace of God, we are what we are. That's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. And it is true of us as well. Stewards of grace and stewards of the gospel. Now, as stewards, I want everybody to know and to express to others how good and gracious God is. As a steward of the grace of God, we should want everyone to know how good and gracious God is in supplying the gospel that makes us complete and thoroughly furnishes us to every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. When a person is a Christian, they want to be a good steward of God's grace and God's gospel. 
look at verse 2. Think about this. As a steward, we want to preserve the purity of the message. We want to preserve the purity of God's message. The word that you receive from me, the sound words, the teaching that comes from God himself, 2 Timothy 1.13. The sacred trust of his grace and of his gospel. You are to commit to others. Initially it was like this, from God to Paul, from Paul to Timothy, from Timothy to faithful men, from faithful men who will in turn be able to teach others. Now listen everybody. Those who really are stewards of grace and of the gospel can make an impact far beyond what we ever thought. And in this case, four generations. Four generations. From Jesus to Paul, from Paul to Timothy, from Timothy to faithful men, from faithful men to others. But to do that, the message must be preserved in its purity. But the message must also be passed on. It's amazing to me how some people in the church really emphasize passing the message on, but the purity of the message being presented can get diluted. While others are really interested in purity of the message, but we sit still and think that everybody should just come to us. We're here after all. You want the truth? Come and get it. But 2 Timothy 2 verses 1 and 2 talk about being a good steward of God's grace and being a good steward of the gospel. And the two just go together. And we ought to respect that. Picture number two. Look at 2 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4. A Christian is not only a steward, but a Christian is a soldier. A soldier. People with military experience, they know something about what Paul means when he says, suffer hardship with me. A member of this congregation, Wilbur Harkness, got married early in World War II and then had to leave his wife and fly 44 missions on a bomber in World War II. Soldiers know what suffering hardship means because they're away from home and away from family and away from the things that are familiar. And they're putting their life on the line. A soldier does that. A soldier of Jesus Christ does that too. In the first two verses, it was dealing with a steward of 
grace and of the gospel. And at the very beginning, he is really saying something like this. Apart from Jesus, you will do nothing. John 15, verses 4 and 5. You be a steward of God's grace and remember how it's going to really be due to the fact that God graciously blesses you in whatever is accomplished. You're going to need Him to help you to preserve the purity of the gospel and you're going to need Him in your ministry, in your service, constantly. And then He goes, Brother Ron, to the picture of the soldier who suffers hardship, who does not get entangled in the things of this world. Note the passage. Not conform to this world, Romans 2, uh, 12 verses 1 and 2. Not loving this world and its ways, 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Not too friendly with the world. James 4 verse 4. Friendship with the world is enmity or conflict with God. We live here. We have a mission here. A purpose. But our purpose is to speak of God's grace and God's gospel and to live lives of integrity and character that will encourage others to draw closer to God. War the good warfare, 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. Fight the good fight of faith, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12. I have fought a good fight, 2 Timothy 4 verses 6 through 9. So what we have is the picture of a steward and secondly, the picture of a soldier. But before I leave this, this picture, notice what Paul says about it. That a soldier does what? He suffers hardship. It's part of being in the Lord's army, I guess. He does not get entangled in worldly things. But notice this. A soldier seeks to please his master. Keep the focus where it needs to be. We understand the enemy, but our focus is not on the enemy. Our focus is on seeking to please our Master and Lord. The devil and sin are defeated. The grace of God and the gospel of God and Jesus provide a knockout punch. Now picture number three. Look at 2 Timothy 2 verse 5. A Christian is a steward, a Christian is a soldier, a Christian is an athlete. Athletes are about dedication and discipline. Athletes are about practice. 
and strengthening and development. But part of that discipline is competing according to the rules. Notice that in 2 Timothy 2 here. You don't try to cheat. I couldn't help but laugh, for those of you that are NFL fans, there, the last week or so there has been an awful lot of controversy on the fact that a referee in an NFL game on the last play called a guy off sides who was blatantly, egregiously, no question that the guy was off sides. But here's what happened. The team that he played for scored a touchdown on that last play. Now there's no way that the referee could have known when he threw the flag because he threw the flag even as the play was beginning. There's no way he could have known it was going to end up in an exciting touchdown. But he had to make the call. Why? It's egregious. It's blatant. You couldn't even see the football, by the way, for you football fans. The guy was over the line so far. And people complained. Those that are dedicated and disciplined as God's people will want to compete according to the rules of God. And they won't cast them aside because it's convenient. Paul says, I discipline myself. I bring my body under subjection. I practice self-control. Lest after I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. A Christian is an athlete who is dedicated to growing and to properly showing in their life Jesus and His grace and His gospel. Philippians 1.27 Let's move on. Picture number four. A Christian is a farmer. A farmer. 2 Timothy 2 verses 6 and 7. 2 Timothy 2, verses 6 and 7. A farmer. Being a farmer is synonymous with hard work and patience. Hard work and patience. They get up early. They may be working until sundown and later. Now we can talk about all the technology that has advanced farming and, and made it easier, but I think everybody still agrees that farming is hard work and it's going to require a lot of patience if you're going to be able to eke out a living through farming. Isn't that the truth? And what's said about farmers here is striking. It's really significant, y'all. It indicates that it's not glamorous. You know, a guy who is an athlete can win a medal. 
a guy who is a soldier might be awarded a medal. A steward might get a pat on the back. But what does a hard-working, patient farmer get? A hard-working, patient farmer gets fruit. He gets fruit. When you take this picture and apply it to Christianity, think 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11, where Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. When it comes to farming, and you know, I've tried to grow tomatoes here for a number of years now. They are the most expensive tomatoes that anybody has ever grown, I suspect. Now, some of you may have that down, and if so, come see me after services. I'd really appreciate it. But I started to wonder, because of the soil, because of the lack of rain, etc., if my hobbies might need to be adjusted significantly. Now, even if no one notices your service, and you know, people don't notice when you eat the fruit that somebody planted the seed. We don't think a whole lot about the person that plowed the ground. We don't think a whole lot about the person that made sure that the ground had fertilizer. How much irrigation they had to utilize out here. We don't even think a whole lot about how it was all harvested. But we sure do benefit at our table, don't we? And in the work of the church, in our work as Christians, I want you to understand that a lot of what we do may be called unglamorous. But God says that the unglamorous work of farming will not go unrewarded by Him spiritually. Christian is what? A steward? A soldier? An athlete? And a farmer? Number five. Open your Bibles, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and look at verses 14 through 19. A Christian is a workman. A workman. And in 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 19, we have good workmen contrasted with bad workmen. And here is the, di the difference. In part, it is how one views the grace of God and the gospel of God. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. But it has to do... Being a good workman as opposed to being a shoddy or bad workman has to do with how we use the tools of the trade. 
in my garage, I have a lot of tools. I am not as familiar with some of them as I ought to be. Some people, some people in this very assembly, Rodney, I think about you. You're familiar with tools, brother. You work around them a lot. You have throughout your life. I'm thankful for people that really know how to use the tools of the trade. But the tools of the trade for every child of God are the word of God and prayer. Acts 6 verses 3 and 4. A workman knows how to use the tools of the trade well. A bad workman doesn't, or doesn't care to use them. It's serious. Focus on verse 15. A person who is a good workman is diligent. Diligent. Make every effort. Give diligence. Study. The same word is found in 2 Timothy 4, 9, 2 Timothy 4, 21, and Titus 3 and verse 12. And it means make every effort. Think about how important this is. So diligence, being diligent, is an important quality for being a good workman in the Word of God in prayer. Secondly, notice this from verse 15. A good workman is accountable. Make every effort to present yourselves what? Approved, who? Unto God. Accountable to God. I wonder how many people are lazy and slothful and lackadaisical rather than diligent with the tools of our trade as Christians, the Word of God and prayer. I wonder how many are not really accountable to God, but we're more concerned about what people think and about our reputation than we are about our character and what God thinks about us. Approved unto God! People that we work with may not always understand us and they may not always want to make the life choices that we do, but do they see that we want to be approved by God? And that's what matters. Paul says, do I seek the approval of men or of my God? Galatians 1 and verse 10. A workman... And then notice this about a good workman. A good workman is faithful. Not be ashamed. Not be ashamed. If the tools of our trade as Christians are the word of God and prayer and our service to God and to others, a bad workman is prayerless, They have bad study habits or they twist the word of God. 2 Corinthians 4.2 Which brings me to the last 
matter to look at in verse 15. A good workman is accurate. Handling aright, rightly dividing the word of truth. And this is coming from Paul who was a tent maker and he knew about how things needed to be cut properly. Well, he's saying, Timothy, I'm telling you, and I love you. You're like a son to me. You, there's the emphasis in verse 1, you, no matter what anyone else does, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And you commit the faithful word that's been entrusted to you to others. Now, Number six, look at this picture. From verses 20 through 23. 20 through 23. A Christian is a vessel. V-E-S-S-E-L. A Christian's a what? A vessel. I bumped in to Michaela just the other day, Scott's wife who did the Lord's Supper meditation. She was getting pork chops. And as soon as I saw her, I smiled. And I did almost everything I could over the next few days to get me invited to have pork chops over their house. In case you haven't gone by the preacher's uh, study in a while, there's a sign that says, please feed the preacher. He's really hungry. And, you know, I, I couldn't help but get the impression, especially from Michaela, who is a preacher's daughter, be warmed and be filled when I was doing that. Because she could probably tell that I'm not hurting a whole lot in the eating department. But I really enjoy a good pork chop, don't you? What I'm saying is this. You have to use pots and skillets, and pans, and utensils in a kitchen in getting food prepared. Isn't that right? I got me a fried potato skillet. I tell you what, those old cast iron skillets, still the way to eat fried potatoes. Can I get an amen there? I mean, we're going to appreciate the good gifts of God. Amen? All right. Vessels. But... Kitchen utensils need to be clean and they need to be useful. All of us probably have something in our kitchen that we never use. And all of us, if your house is like most of ours, will have some things that aren't clean because they haven't been washed yet. God wants his vessels to be useful and clean. And he talks about being cleansed in this passage. Those that know the grace of God and the gospel of God are people who have been cleansed. And then it goes on to say that we are to 
pursue. Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith, love, peace, and purity. It's as if he's given us five fingers there so we can stir things around as we prepare good things for life. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and purity. Picture number seven. God's telling us a lot about the kind of people that Christians should be, what a Christian should look like, isn't he? Number seven, a Christian is a servant. A servant. You can tell a lot about one's view of service when other people treat that person like they are a slave. You can tell a lot about our view of service when there are people, maybe even other Christians, who treat you like a slave. Oh, I know we live in a time when uh, you, you stand up for yourself. But I want you to understand that there may be times when the best thing and the wisest thing and the most God-honoring thing is not to stand up for yourself, but simply to serve. It's also hard, isn't it? Sometimes. Timothy's name, and that's the one who uh, this book bears his name. Paul is writing to him. His name means God-honoring. And what Paul is saying throughout 2 Timothy 2 is, Timothy, live up to your name. You're a Christian. Be God-honoring. And what he is saying to us through God's eternal word is precisely the same thing. That if you are in Christ and belong to Christ, you are a Christian. Live up to your name. And serve. Incidentally, did the Lord of heaven and earth, whose name is Jesus Christ, stand up for himself and his rights? If that were a common practice, he never would have gone to the cross. But he did what was right. And notice the passage here. As we conclude, the servant of the Lord is, number one, not quarrelsome. Not quarrelsome. There's some people that just love to fight and debate, and I get a kick out of that as much as anybody, but I'm going to tell you what, the servant of the Lord is not quarrelsome. In other words, you try to be easy to get along with, in matters of judgment and opinion. Not quarrelsome. Not willing to fight about anything and everything. There are some hills that we should be willing to die on 
there are other hills that we should not. May God give us the wisdom to know the difference. Not quarrelsome, but kind to all. As a servant of God, as a Christian, is that how people would think of you? I wish that every time I did a funeral for a West Side member, I could get up and say they were not quarrelsome, they were kind to all, they were apt, they were able to teach. Man, their lives taught so much. Patient. And in meekness and gentleness, they correct those that are in error. Christian is a servant. A servant is not greater than his master. Our master is Jesus. And when we are trying to help point people toward Jesus especially, it's not just about winning the argument doctrinally, as important as doctrine is. It is about using the truth of God's word to bring a soul to Christ. Kind to all, able to teach, patient and gentle and meek in dealing with those that are in error. What a chapter describing a portrait of a Christian. You've got to put them all together. It's a package deal. In other words, I can't emphasize Christianity as being in the Lord's army to the neglect of Christianity as being a servant or a vessel. I cannot emphasize one of these to the neglect of the other six. And as I read it, and as we've studied it, I want to be a good steward of the grace of God and the gospel, don't you? I want to be a good soldier, not one who is absent without leave or not one who is entangled in the things of this world. I want to be a soldier who really seeks to please his master and leader, Jesus. An athlete, I want to be dedicated, disciplined, and compete properly. A farmer, I want to be patient and hardworking and rely on the good Lord and His blessings and I want to be able to enjoy the fruit whether anyone else knows it or not God will bless. I want to be a good workman a clean and useful vessel. I want to be a good servant. It's good to end a year thinking about these things. And I pray that God gives you a healthy and prosperous 2024. But one of the ways that that prayer will be answered is by your desire to be in Christ and belong to Christ and to to depict Jesus to others. We're about to stand and sing. It may be that there's a person here that needs to come to Jesus.
I'll tell you what, you need to respond to God's grace and to God's gospel. And whether you realize it or not, that if you're not in Jesus, if you're not a Christian, you're fighting on the wrong side. You're not competing according to God's ways. And only a fruit of sin awaits those that have been busy sowing their wild oats for most of their life. Oh, come to Jesus through faith and repentance and baptism. Have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus and be added to the church of Jesus. And for those of us who are Christians, what's the Christian? Someone who's in Christ and belongs to Christ. What does a real Christian look like? A real Christian looks like the pictures that are given to us by the Holy Spirit through Paul in 2 Timothy 2. I want to be that type of person. I hope you do too. Let's stand and sing.